Hi, everybody. This is your host, Ben Klenner, and welcome to the Probiotic Life. This podcast is where we explore the intricate relationships between human health, soil health, and ecological systems. Join me now for another exploratory conversation on the probiotic life. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Probiotic Life. I am your host, Ben Klenner. Today on the show, we are going to talk all about Korean natural farming because we've had some interest. Some people have um, asked me a few questions and said that they're keen to learn a bit more about Korean natural farming, so that's what we're going to do. But I want to say thank you to everyone for joining me on this journey of exploration, and I want to say thank you for the people who have actually shared with me their journey of the probiotic life, whether this podcast has been helping you or challenging you. Uh, thank you for letting me know and, and sharing with me. And if you haven't already, I would love to hear from you because what my, my vision for this podcast is, is that we can share our journeys together, share this journey of the probiotic life. So if you have gotten something out of this, if you have gotten some value, I'd love for you to share with me, but also hit that subscribe button uh, and give us a, a rating and review. That would be fantastic. That just helps get the podcast out there into more people's ears. So because we've had some interest in Korean natural farming, I've contacted Drake Wynert and he's going to be talking with us today about some of the preparations of Korean natural farming. Um, we did have some technical difficulties and we ended up recording this interview over the period of a day pretty much because it, the connection kept cu cutting out um, and it was quite frustrating. But uh, Drake was a champ and he uh, he did it when he, whenever he was able to. Um, so you can hear we're in his pig pan and then um, I cut out most of the lightning, but there was lightning in the background at one point. Um, so yeah, this is a bit of a deviation to the regular format of the podcast. But I'd love to know uh, if you like this, if you want more like this. Um, and yeah, if you're getting value out of a uh, episode like this. So without further ado... Here is the interview with Drake Wynett. Today we have back on the show, Drake Wynett. Aloha. Aloha. Is that how you say it, Wynett? Wynett, yeah. Uh, I guess German would be Weinert. Weinert. Oh, like Klenner is German. Great. So, um, so thanks for um, coming back on the show, Drake, because uh, we had quite a few people ask about Korean natural farming and, and that gets me excited. It's like, okay, cool, there's some interest there. So today I'd like to go a bit more into uh, the preparations and um, 
if you can share with us a little bit about that. But what I was really excited um, to see a little while ago was when you went to Korea and you actually got to go and see what they're doing over there. And especially that, um, that IMO bath. I thought that was fantastic. Do you you want to share a bit about the um, IMO bath and your trip to Korea? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, both both those things. So so right now I'm, uh, I'm actually in my pig pen. I don't know if you can see. I, oh, cool. Um, yep. I'm up here. Um, and so right, right behind me is where we, um, have been turning IMO piles. And so there's, there's some wood chips in there and, um, we've been using the, uh, mill run. And this last time I actually used the, um, hemp product as well, uh, the hemp herd. So it's the inside of, after they're done getting the fiber out, it's the leftovers. And um, we mix that up with uh, indigenous microorganisms following the recipe to go up to um, IMO3 and also IMO4. Um, so it's basically a bunch of nutrients and a bunch of indigenous microbes in a pile of um, carbohydrates and fats and oils. And they heat up and um, you can then sort of like bathe yourself in it. Um, you know, a bath, I think people think water, but, um, but this is a dry bath, um, kind of like covering yourself in sand. And, um, so we've had, we've had people right behind me right here, um, lay down in the IMO pile. And, um, when it gets going, it gets up to about 120, 130 degrees and that in Fahrenheit. Um, so that's like 50, 50 degrees, something like that Celsius. Yeah, which is which is higher than it, it raises your body above what a normal temperature could be. So it creates like an artificial fever in a um, microorganism loves best. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. And and what's the what's the idea behind that? What's the the uh, so, theory? So raising your raising your body temperature to that that temperature. You know, like saunas are are traditionally known for healing. Um, you know, health effects. But uh, it cooks other microbes out of your body. So raising your temp- body temperature above, um, you know, 98, which is what it usually is, uh, it, it'll, it'll cook out different pathogens living in your body. Wow. Okay. That's cool. So you're just bathing in the microbes. Yeah. 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 And, and also, so, so not only are you heating your body up to like, um, you know, create an artificial fever and cook out these, these parasites within you, you also uh, start sweating. And when you sweat your, um, your pores on your skin open to let the water out and those same openings let are, are like tunnels to let microbes in. That's cool. I mean, I would definitely do that, but but it sounds like I can just hear people being like, they would hesitate to do that because they don't know what's going on. Well, so so human in human health, um, the you know the probiotic life, um, we have ten times or what do you call it, like exponentially less microbes per generation. So so a logarithmic uh, reduction of microbes each generation we have. living in city life Mm. and so if you go and you bathe yourself in this imo bath you can then regain these lost microbes that you would have had like your gut microbes or your skin microbes or because we're we're just disconnected from nature and we're using all kinds of like disinfectants and antibiotics and but but now you can go and sit in this pile and have the microbes go into your into your skin literally through through your, your pores and like live in you and create this this armor 
Wow. Uh, of, yeah. And, and so next time, next time a germ lands on you, instead of just having like one or two uh, bends, bend microbes to fight them off, now you got a thousand IMOs plus the bend microbes working together to fight off um, any pathogen. That sounds really cool. That sounds like I'd I'd like to try that. Well, can you can you see my pig behind me? Yeah. Yep. Like I, I so yeah, I just kind of spooked her. Um. So, um. Yeah, man. So so this technology, it's not it's not only good for humans. It's also good for for livestock and animals. And so the whole like this is the pig pen's you know the floor. It's it's um, trillions of microorganisms, IMOs, and um, rich soil. Um, yeah, it's the probiotic life, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So, uh, you saw that on your trip to Korea. What else did you learn this time going over there? Uh, this trip's focus, uh, going to Korea was on fruit crop seminar is what is what the title of it was. So what, what we've been learning here is is kind of the nutrient cycle. So life from big to small has goes through reproduction, just like we have um, our, our children grow up, they mature, they go they go through reproduction. So so do plants, so do pigs, so do everything. But for us to recognize, okay, when when is my when is my plant a teenager? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like asking, like, do you, do you know when when your um, when your plant is a teenager? I would say when it becomes sexually mature. Like, yeah, and be, right before it's flowering, right? Right. And kind of kind of recognizing this this changeover period, and, and so so that's what we're learning with Master Cho is like, okay, so you have um, we have these plants. How do we know what? Basically, learning learning to recognize plants, like learning this changeover period. And, and understanding how to diagnose that and what plants need. For sure. Yeah, you know, that's really um, interesting that you bring that up because as a landscaper, I learned, even if I, like, I wasn't trained as a horticulturalist, I just got into the industry, started mowing lawns, you know, back in Vancouver about, it must have been like about 18, 19 years ago now. And then there's, there's a certain amount that you can learn from observing and which which is what I'd love to see myself and more people do is actually just get out in nature and learn. There's stuff that you can learn intrinsically from nature. But then there's this other side of it that sounds like what you guys are learning. How, when, you, when you know these stages of the plant, or maybe can you explain a little bit what is this nu- nutrient cycle theory and, and how does that apply in Korean natural farming? Okay, so so nutrient cycle theory is basically recognizing you have three stages in a plant's life. You have um, accumulative growth, where it's putting out a bunch of leaves in the beginning. You have changeover growth, which is where it's flowering and switching. um, And then you have reproductive growth, where it's fruiting. And so those are the three stages in Korean natural farming that you, you have for the growth stages. Um, and then recognizing those in, in each different plant is going to be different. Um, so something like a tomato uh, is flowering and fruiting at the same time. So what I what one of the big things I learned this time was looking for this thing that he calls a yellowing uh, period. So 
so you know, like if you're just about to vomit, you, you what your skin turns a little yellow, right? Yep. Like, definitely. Like, and people look at you like you're green when you're seasick and you're on you're on the ocean. People like they you can tell someone's about to like vomit. Yeah, they right? sort of like lose the color in their face. So, so, so same same thing happens in our plants, and this is what we were learning last time. Is like, okay, so so now, like you look at your plant and it gets a little yellow, it gets a little pale, it gets a little green. It's that same crossover period that it's having morning sickness, so it wants to vomit. But if you provide uh, calcium phosphate and you you can see that coming on, and you provide for that plant that way, then you can avoid this morning sickness. Oh wow! And, okay. And, what, what, the, what the result is, is you, you as a farmer is you go from this accumulative of accumulating sugars and energy from growing leaves to now that energy has to go through this transition to go into your fruit. And if you are able to catch it in that place where it gets sick, just like a woman getting morning sickness in the beginning where she's growing the structure of her child, if you feed her the right nutrients at that point, then she, her child is going to be much healthier. And she's going to have a much easier time giving birth. So, so same in the plant. We catch it in that, that yellowing stage and we say, oh, we see you're sick. Here, here's um, some calcium phosphate. And, um, and now you can transition really smoothly between um, growing to reproducing. Very interesting. So you talk about calcium phosphate. Where does that um, tell us what, what does that come from in the, um, in the uh, Korean natural farming methods? Uh, so, so it, um, it's, it's funny you ask, I, I think of that on multi, many layers, but, but the first one is it comes from the bones. So we're charring bones to get calcium phosphate. We char these bones and then we dissolve them in vinegar. So what's happening is when a woman gets morning sickness, she, her, she's growing the bones of the baby. Right. And when the plant gets morning sickness, it's also growing kind of this structure roots part of the plant. Um, and so, so it's, it's kind of like the bones of the plant at the same time. So we, we char bones and we use um, calphos from bones. Interesting. And so that is um, different to when you're just uh, lightly cooking, say, eggshells or something for water-soluble calcium. Right? Is that right? Yeah, eggs, eggshells are more calcium. And this, the burn, burning things unlocks the um, phosphorus of things. Right, and the phosphorus helps with the structural or like structure of the uh, of the plant getting ready to pop out some babies. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's, it, they describe it as like a sour type of food, um, but that's that's its function. Um, Interesting. Okay, so so we've got this nu- nutritive cycle theory um, talking about the different stages of of the plant. Where does um, IMO come into this, indigenous microorganisms, because it sounds like that's one of the main sort of things that people hear about when they first hear about Korean natural farming. Yeah. Uh, last, last time I was talking to you, I was, I was saying there's two branches. One is microbes and one is foods. And the IMOs fall into that microbes branch. They are, they are the indigenous uh, microorganisms. I mean, you could think of them as indigenous probiotics to your area, but they're not necessarily probiotics. They're more of like in the soil, there'd be a certain set of IMO on a leaf um, surface. There'll be a different type of IMO. It's just the microbes that are in that area 
and by getting usually what we're referring to in Korean natural farming is really good soil microbes. Mm. So going to a really dank part of your forest where it's really a lot of whole um, trees have been, leaf litter has been falling and gathering those. And those are kind of like the, the um, grandpas or like the wise men of the forest. Cool. So they're the ones that have been around a while and they, they know the situations that happen in that forest. Hopefully, right? <laughs> We're counting on them. <laughs> so um, help people understand a bit more. So the the IMOs, you want to collect ones that are uh, from the forest or at least in this part for, for the plants that are from a healthy part of the forest. And when you mm-hmm. introduce them, what, what do they do? What do they actually do to um, the area or the farm or the paddock that you actually introduce them into? So they start they start to build soil structure, but I, I like to explain it with kind of like a metaphor. So so the fungus make these networks, these tubes, and it's kind of like they're running electric lines and telephone lines and putting in Wi-Fi points and things like that. So that later when your plant goes to plug in and move into its new home, there's already electricity and already water lines and power lines. So they're they're... They're like the people that go around in your town and the, the plants are kind of um, the, the buildings in, in a certain sense, if Ooh. you think of it as, as a metaphor. But they're not destroying the ecosystem around them. <laughs> well, um, they're highly evolved. <laughs> it, it depends. It depends. If you made, if you made bad IMO, you could actually, um, you know, you're not, not just, they, they evolve so fast, they go through a generation every 30 minutes. So. Um, and they usually are pretty benevolent, but but you could make some some not so good IMO, and um, and you wouldn't want to introduce that. Um, but if you're making good, rich, um, Master Cho approved, uh, no slap IMO. <laughs> no slap IMO. <laughs> so that that means that Master Cho is not going to come over you and slap you across the face, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Have you, have you had that um, honor before? Have you? Uh, not with IMO, but some other things. Man. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, this Master Choi seems like a very um, interesting character. Well, how would you describe him? Um, you know, I, I've I've met him since two thousand nine. I've I've known him, and uh, he's a he's a humble guy. He I know his teaching style used to be pretty harsh. He used to try to get the whole word out and get people going together. Um, and now he's, he's much more of an old, old man. That's kind of like a smiley, um, friendly guy. Um, but he's, he's been farming in, um, in Korea for a long time. He almost got beat to death for farming. And, uh, and now when I, when I hang out with him, he's, he's kind of like a wizard. He can just walk up to an area and he knows things. He's, he's been experienced enough in these systems to, um, you know, uh, write the book, I guess. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. It's very interesting. You know, I've just uh, pulled up something here, Drake. Of um, Master Cho was born in 1935, and he went for training in 1965 in uh, Japan. Um, but he's been farming since the age of 14. So that that's a that's a lot of a lot of years of of wisdom and a lot of years of um, 
experience. What what would you say is one thing that stands out about the way that he um, understands farming? Uh, I mean, uh, he's experienced enough that it seems like intuition when he's looking at certain things right. to know. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say the, the other thing about it is he, he's lived through like the Korean war and all that whole deal that, that happened, you know? So when you think of his history and his life, it's like, you know, I, my, my history and my life, I've never lived through a war where there was like famine and people dying and people accusing me of being a communist and like, you know, killing, trying to kill me. So I, I would say his, um, uh, his faith in like humanity and his vision of seeing uh, people liberated so that we can farm knowing microbes, farm knowing nature on such a deep level. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen him just kind of, you know, he, he like tears up and cries when he thinks about it of, of just, um, you know, being, being able to farm and restore your ecosystem and restore everyone around you. Like that's the type of farming that he wants to share with the world. That's amazing. And you said that he actually almost was killed for farming. Yeah, they thought he was communist because he didn't want to charge people money for farming. Oh wow! It, you can I start to get a sense that he really people that have freedom, including myself, we don't really know what we got until we don't have it anymore. Um, you know, I've, I, ha- I have been to um, the Dominican Republic once and, you know, as a 16-year-old, that was an eye-opening experience for me to see people with with probably uh, may, uh, far more satisfaction in life uh, or at least happiness um, and yet they had so little. Well, I mean, it's that, well, yeah, I mean, it's not material wealth that makes you happy. It's like uh, a bunch of other things in this world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) More and more research leading to its microbes around you in an ecosystem Mm -hmm. that make you happy. (laughs) So FPJ is is one of those things that seems that seems relatively easy to make out and compared to like trying to char bones or anything. Um, so that's where people start even even before they make IMO or anything. Do you want to explain mm. a little bit about FPJ, fermented plant juice? Uh, yeah, so so the that's the translation we use in English is uh, fermented plant juice, which is kind of explains the process of it. Um, and then, but Master Cho in Korean, when you translate it, it's... Uh, Green juice from heaven. Green juice from heaven. Awesome. So, so somehow I got translated into fermented plant juice in English. <laughs> Sounds more like uh, scientific or something, eh? Yeah, yeah. Which is actually interesting. I, I, I posed that question to some people a little while ago. Is fermented plant juice actually fermented? Because fermentation would be a process of breaking down um, and producing alcohol or some sort of carbon dioxide in the process. Yeah, and, and, and my understanding is that that's that's what happens in in three to seven days um, within the uh, the liquid. 
the the microbes for ferment the plant juice. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I think when Chris Trump was talking to us, he was saying that the the sugar actually puts the mic puts the microbes to sleep. So um, uh, my the way I I make fermented plant juice and the way I, the way I understand the way I was taught is um, the sugar acts as an osmotic um, pull. It's like making kimchi, like the the salt acts to draw the liquid out. And so in the same thing, this is kimchi with uh, plant material and the sugar acts as, to draw the juice out. And right. then the microbes do do the, um, the, the fermentation of that juice that's drawn out by the sugar. And so do you want to just take us through the, um, through the process of f- how you make fermented plant juice? Yeah, I mean, I so I just made some the other day from um, rambutan peels that we had. And so I took about uh, a, a third of it by weight. Uh, of brown sugar and which was, you know, I had a two gallon bucket filled up and I put a few handfuls of sugar into there and mixed it around until the juice started to come out. And I just started late, lately, like basically the entire surface area of the rambutan was coated in sugar. And then that, um, it's a juice starts to come out and then I left it in the bucket for, uh, three days and the juice that came off um, tasted just like the fruit. Mm, okay. And it's quite syrupy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and this was just from the the peel and the fruit and the seed, like really not not much fruit on there at all. Just just from some peels, it would have already been uh, otherwise been discarded. Cool. So you you're taking stuff that's already uh, you've used the fruit of it. And now you're actually going to take what we would call as waste and turn it into something else. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's it's medicine, man. You, you so so I I often tell people about a um, you know like do you know the nutritional value of a of a pine tree? No. But maybe it has some property that you could, if you could eat it, it would help you out nutritionally. Right, okay. So making a fermented plant juice out of it, where it's usually not edible, like who's going to eat a pine tree? Yeah, unless you put it in your gin or whatever. (laughs) Well, you could make a tea or you could make a tincture or you can make these certain like extractions of the pine tree for certain uses. But if you um, if you make an FPJ, it's like this sweet way of eating something. So a, a tea leaf or this um, milkweed or a palm tree or, um, you know, anything around you, you can turn into like a, a medicine via the FPJ. Yeah. So what's, what's in the FPJ that's actually uh, good for us and good for the plants? Well... <clears throat> It's what's, it's like the vital juice of the plant. It's what's giving that plant, um, you know, it's, it's life force. And, and you're extracting it without heat or pressure through this recipe. Um, and mm-hmm. so the attributes of a, of a plant, like, some, you know, one plant um, puts out really nice leaves. One grows really well in a drought. One um, has good root system. And so you take these 
um, parts of the, of the plant and ferment them with this recipe and you get them all these hormones and enzymes intact. Right, so it's the hormones and the enzymes in the plant that are actually like the medicine. Yeah, and those are like two scientific words for things that as you go and you study it further, you'll understand like what you're getting out of the plant is just like, um, it's, it's the, yeah, it's, it's the really good stuff out of the plant. And then whatever you translate that to, it's already, um, it's, it's already digested because it's been fermented. So if I go to eat it in my gut, I don't have to digest it. It's immediately like assimilable into my cells and I can take it as like a pure food immediately into my system. And, and same with the plants. So it's bioavailable. Yeah. Cool. And so there's the whole idea about um, uh, picking the shoots of plants for FPJ before dawn, before the sunrise. Can you explain t- to us a little bit about that? Uh, that's, I mean, the, the plant, it's, the tips are concentrated with growth and, um, growth hormones in the morning. And if that's what you're trying to capture in your FPJ is this youthful, um, emerging growth tip hormone, say, say I'm gathering sweet potato and I want to translate the vigor of sweet potato to my sugar cane. So if I come out in the morning and I grow, gather all my sweet potato tips, that are full of these enzymes and hormones, and then I make that FPJ, and then I spray that onto my sugarcane. Now my whole garden is going to have access to that. It's kind of it, the FPJ is similar to like what's uh, exudates. You know how each plant puts out a special like sugar into the soil. Sure, to attract uh, different microbes. Yep. Yeah, so the the FPJ is similar to that. Like I can spray that onto the sugarcane, so all those microbes that were beneficial that way will be on the sugarcane. And so if I get my sweet potato early in the morning and it's full of that vigor, I'm going to translate that across. Cool. So so if you wanted to talk scientific, it would be similar to exudates, but really it's the green liquor from heaven. <laughs> Uh, and, and you can get it out of any plant um you know it's it's what's driving that plant um and uh, use use it to farm your microbes in your gut use it to farm your garden so my some people might have some hesitation to ingesting it for themselves rather than their plants what what would you say to that uh, make a make a good batch in like a food safe container in like a you know a, a facility where you know it's clean, right? Like a, a place where you you know you'd eat like make it make it in your kitchen or make it you know. And so the way that yeah. I've done it is I pretty much just use plants that are edible. So is there any plants that you wouldn't use? I mean, I just I use what's around me. I mean, so but there's no danger of po- poisoning um, other plants if you get something that's like I don't know if you have an unidentified weed that might be poisonous. Yeah, I mean, use your discretion. <laughs> you know, I mean, common sense. It's you know, I, I think fer- fermentation might help to um, nullify some of that, but I would I would be very careful. 
Okay, cool. Now, now we got this FPJ, and um, from what it sounds, it sounds like uh, it's uh, almost homeopathic. The amount that we use is that right? Uh, well, for for a plant, the absorption ratio is about one to five hundred, um, and for animals, it's it's somewhere one to three hundred or so. Animals like more and. If I dilute some for myself, I make it to taste, which is like mm, like one to thirty or so. Right. So it, that's the uh, dilution rate is the optimal amount that the plant or animal or us absorbs. Yeah, but but it's kind of it's they're you like in natural farming for plants are used together with other things like it's you can make different FPJs for different reasons, but. Um, you're going to use it with other things like vinegar and um, um, oriental herbal nutrient and calciums and, you know, com- combined based on what, what's going on. But um, FPJ is one of the core things is like a food for everything. Nice. Okay. So, so even, even for yourself, I think uh, it might be possible like fast on FPJs. <laughs> Oh, that's an interesting um, citizen science experiment, fasting on FPJs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe someone out there wants to try it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll be tried if everyone wants to put in some money to, uh, so I can get some lab results. I'll, I'll give it a go. Do like fasting on FPJs only for a week. Yeah, man, make, make a lot of like, uh, you know, spinach, your, your favorite foods, and then combine, combine them in a drink and just, uh, you know, live that way. <laughs> next level so so tell me how do you um you want to share with us a little bit about how you actually use it day for, day to day what does your your um farming day look like and what is your um oh hey hey so um so i just sent um ben a link to here uh, on facebook and did you did you check that out yeah the uh who grew farms yeah so so what my goal is, if, you know, you can check it out a little bit. Did you see, like, there's some um, records of what's been sprayed lately? Yeah, like the, um, they did the um, the mulching and then the OHN, the BRV, FPJ. And can you see who did it? So that's uh, David Forsyth. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, so he, he's at my farm. And right now you're looking at like pictures. So, so you're viewing my farm right now and you can go view um, like the garden, try, try, check it out. And it's called OH Mackay um, field one, I think is, is the field. And right now that's, that's where I'm standing. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Okay. So, so what, what I'm able to do with this thing that I've been working on is you're, you're asking me like, Oh, how do I, how do I use the FPJ? How do I use this? Well, now I can keep track of my garden and share it with you. So you see, you know, click on this garden. When was the last time uh, uh, FPJ was used? On the 19th of February. I mean, and that's the garden I'm standing at right now. And then you can go browse my other gardens and see them all. And, um, and the idea is that I can use an app here on my side and I can keep real time, you know, when I'm doing things in my garden. And then you can follow my gardens and see 
you know, how, how I'm farming and what, you know, what I'm doing with the tarot. And, you know, you can see the picture of it right there. That's fantastic. Yeah. So around the whole world, you can, we can follow each other's gardens and share how we do certain farming techniques and um, really get people to be aware of the soil and focusing on bringing the biology to life and photo documenting it when we do it right. Nice. And, okay, um, cool. Being able to share with people, not only like what's, what's in this food, but what's in the soil, what's in the um, ecology that produces this food. Right. So you really get with these pictures, um, you really get an idea of what it looks like and what's going on in the garden, which is fantastic. So, yeah, well, exactly what you're saying is why I made the Hugu software and what what's going is because you can, you can watch my trials here. You can see me and my harvests and what I'm putting into the, into the crops and pictorial evidence of how they're growing. And, you know, it gives everyone a chance to tune into the, the Korean natural farming going on here and globally. Mm-hmm. So what, what would you say? Is there, is there any, like, um, there's lots of stuff about fermented plant juice and the right way to do it, but, um, there's always the intention behind it, and I've heard people talk talk about that as well. That there's the intention, the philosophy behind the way that you do these things. Would is there any sort of tips that you could give on that? You know, I would say the the biggest thing is is can you can you and would would you eat it? So make it with enough care that you would feel comfortable eating it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, you clean out your buckets before you use them, you know, after you're done with them, you know, like try to make good quality stuff and stuff that you would drink and, you know, your then your plants can't complain and, you know, feed it to your animals, feed it to your children, like that, it should be that quality. Mm-hmm. Well, um, my FAA that I made, the fish amino acids, I did try it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm still, you know, it was just like a little finger dip. I wasn't, you know, I was hesitant to like chug some of that. So, so we we actually use the FAA that we make in our kimchi. So, like so flavoring for the kimchi. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's it's really good. This is taking like probiotic life to a whole new level. Yeah, well, if you study the um, the FAA, there, there's reports on that where it's a lot of lactobacillus that's in there. And so that's what drops the pH down. That's And it has a sweet smell. It really, uh, it's it's high quality stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, maybe next time I won't just use fish guts that I got from the local fishmonger. Fish guts, but then, but sugar too, right? If you if you do equal parts, you should have a beautiful smelling, sweet, uh, no fly, like beautiful thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like bring bring a fine wine almost. It's <laughs> it's if the uh, the FAA. Oh man, it's uh, a sweet one. It's it's on the par with wine. I was uh, I was a little bit hesitant, but I guess you know. It, so for FAA, it you ferment it for the first like. Or it sort of breaks down over the first what like week or so, and then it goes through maturing. Is that is that the general idea? Uh, no, I mean it continues to break down just just like a aged whiskey, like the same same concept. Like it it um, gets smaller and smaller, but um, yeah, I, I mean 
six months, it's going to, it's going to be good. A, a year, it's going to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, I've, I made, I made um, 10 liters last time and I'm it's a, a year later. So I've just got a little bit left. But, so that's like what, like two and a half gallons. Um, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've just got a little bit left, so maybe I'll taste it before <laughs> before it runs out. Yeah, I mean it should be cooking cooking great, man. Make fried rice and throw that inside from your Korean natural farm chickens. Awesome. <laughs> okay. So you incorporate the, these microbial solutions in everything you do. Yeah, I mean because I it's I'm farming my my gut biome as well, right? Like it's we're we're very similar to the to the soil. And you haven't I mean you don't look like you're sick. You haven't got sick from any of this stuff. Yeah. Um I actually I mean I, I'm I'm healthier I think than I was when I um when I first got out of college. I, I was kinda eating at Safeway and eating hot dogs and white bread and ketchup and shit like that. And then now I um now I try to eat off the land. I try to eat stuff that's rich, um, you know. Mm, cool. So it's been a transition. Yeah, well, to eat healthy food, man, you got to, like, in today's day and age, you kind of got to grow it yourself or know who grew it. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you know, been really uh, encouraging urban farming and um, mm-hmm. I've been participating in Vaha Urban Farm, which is uh, just down south here in um, in Perth. Um, so what would you say for someone who wants to get into a little bit of farming? You know, do you have any sort of suggestions of how to get started in that? Yeah, well, so in Hawaii, and I am, I'm sure it's similar around there, the, the average age farmer is like 60. I don't know what it is in Australia, mm-hmm. but, it, but around here it's like, and, and 60 is somewhat approaching retirement age. And so these, there's a lot of farmers that have these operations that are going that the kids maybe aren't necessarily interested in doing it, and maybe it's not corporate yet or whatever. And there's an area that I think if you went out and apprenticed under somebody, you know, and and brought brought natural farming, brought permaculture, brought probiotics, brought all these things, but because they're 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 wild and crazy ideas, right? Until you put them into practice. And, and only a true farmer can do that, right? So if you come out and you say, well, I want to do this or that, it's like, well, the farmer says, well, I know what works here. But uh, learning from a, a, an experienced farmer and apprenticing, and I'm, I'm sure there's opportunities around there. I mean, I would suggest, you know, studying with someone and, and learning their way and then also understanding the whole probiotic approach as well and you know, maybe even finding an old uh, a farmer that's wanting to do that already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's people. Um, I know of one guy who's been given um, access to an orchard, and he can basically mm-hmm. take off the land. Uh, you know, take the produce and and sell it or do whatever he wants with it. Um, he doesn't own the land, but he's been given free free reign with it. There's lots of op- those sort of opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's that's the way to get into get into farming is to look for these things already going and um, join forces. And so, can you actually? Is it worth using this stuff if you don't have any 
land, like for me, if if I'm if I'm we're here for a little while, <laughs> is you know should I be making like a ton of IMO four? Uh, I would make the IMO four to do an IMO four bath. Oh yeah, for sure. I would make I would make FPJ to feed your you and your family FPJ. So you could go in your fridge and you could look at maybe like fifteen different FPJs from all these like different you know um, wild wild plants around you and or some well known healing herbs and and or some things you love to eat like um, you know a pineapple FPJ or something. Mm. And, and then, um, you know, have your fridge full of that. So, you know, there's, there's like four or five in my fridge and then we have a whole shelf. So we go to make drinks and it's like, all right, you know, and and I think of it as I'm farming my guts, right? Right. Yeah. Putting some of the most prime food for them in there and and I'm diluting it. So the sugar content isn't too high and, you know, there's, you know, it's, uh, it's good stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I like to put it in um, in this in our smoothies in the morning. We usually have a smoothie every morning, and I sort of <laughs> I sort of figure if I'm putting like it on back on leaf surfaces, you know, uh, of spinach or whatever we pick from the garden, it's probably going to be um, um, sort of in the right environment. Yeah, well, I mean, we uh, we use mugwort FPJ on pancakes, and it's unreal good. Wow. Okay. Mugwort FPJ on pancakes, right? Yeah, give it a try. Yeah, like oh, it's it's. Uh, I mean, yeah, we could have a competition who could find the best, uh, most delicious syrup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. All right. Um, and what about? Because I remember, like you last time talking about um, that you you noticed a difference in your nails when you were taking the water soluble calcium. Well, the, Is that right? The, yeah, the calcium. Yeah. Yeah, you, it's amazing. So, so you want to just share with us a little bit? So, water soluble calcium. How how do you do that? Uh, cook um, cook calcium, which a uh, good source is chicken eggs. Uh, cook those and to remove the moisture and the organic matter, and then dissolve them in vinegar. And then uh, that liquid that remains is is really potent um, calcium. It's immediately absorbable in a water-soluble form, which most calcium isn't. So oh, okay, this cool. is. And so cooking them, you're not charring them like the bone. You're just heating them up. Toasting them like toast. good marshmallows. Okay, toasting. Yeah, nice. Okay. Nice. And that's getting off the that inner um, layer of skin layer on the inside as well? Yeah, you can kind of winnow that off if you want. Right. So uh, what happens if you leave that on? And your stuff smells like rotten eggs. <laughs> right. So what you want is just the eggshell without that membrane layer mm-hmm. on the inside. Otherwise, it goes rank. Yeah. And then you use that, you drink that for the calcium. Uh, just a few drops in water, yeah. Okay. Because it's quite potent. Yeah. Cool. So <laughs> what what would you say, where would you say is the limit like... Where you you would p- encourage people to be like, okay, try all this, but maybe don't venture out and over there. Uh, I mean, it's you use use your smarts, you know. <laughs> like um, fermentation's powerful, but uh, your nose knows. So if something smells like like gross, don't don't drink it. <laughs> um, and. 
you know, if there's funky molds growing, be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you this one little story of, um, I put, I was like, oh, I wonder if um, kombucha, if kombuchas go because ferment milk. So uh, <laughs> I, I put just some regular milk out with a kombucha scoby in it. And I sort of forgot about it. And um, yeah, like we'd walk person. past this corner and and my wife was like, smells like there's like vomit somewhere. Mm. And um, and then I was like, oh, like a couple of days later, I'm like, oh, that's the kombucha scoby. I had a look at it. I mean, it didn't look like black moldy or anything, but it smelled putrid. So I just had like a finger dip of it, and no. oh, I almost no. vomited. Yeah, no, your body, your body will tell you, and then and some people think it's good to eat stuff that makes. Uh, I don't know. I'm a fan of delicious, good tasting things. You know, your body will let you know whether it's good or not, and that's. It smelled bad and it tasted bad. You knew it was bad, but you went for it anyway. <laughs> Some people have to learn the hard way. Yeah. Oh, you know, if you if you got sick like that, then you'd wanna you'd wanna take some good lab and, and correct with those good emergency microbes, mm-hmm. probiotics. You know, so the lab is a lactobacillus serum. Right. Right. And how can you tell if lab is good? Is that the same way? It should smell good and taste good. So, so that you you ever taste the stuff that's on the top of yogurt, that, that juice, that water that forms there? Yeah, like the whey. Yeah. So, so that's what it's supposed to taste like. Okay. And then, if you mix that with sugar, it tastes sweeter. It tastes kind of like to me, it tastes like buttered popcorn, but but sweeter with brown sugar or whatever. It, it gets sweeter, but the the sweetness preserves it. And then later, if it tastes really, really vinegary, it's off. Um, it still should taste that kind of um, sour, milkish, not not like um, not putrid sour, but like that, um, like plain yogurt sour, right? Or like um, uh, milk kefir. Yep, and it should taste. You know, if it ever if it ever tastes rancid or smells bad, some, sometimes it'll smell like alcohol on top. If you seal it in a container, so kind of loosen it a bit and fan it, and but it's, usually it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So what I've been doing, because um, someone gave me some milk kefir, I've actually been taking my um, LAB, the, uh, made the Korean natural farming way, and adding a little bit of that at one point. I think I've added three different batches of LAB to my um, kefir grains when I when mm. I read uh, mm. add milk to them. And it seems to like they're just like monsters now. They just like mm. grow. I got that idea from this guy, Pascal Boudard. He's a um uh, like a, a wild forager. He teaches classes in LA. And he actually takes his sourdough starter with him on his hikes because he wants to like get all like the sourdough culture. More diversity. <laughs> <laughs> so when he goes hiking in the mountains, he, yeah, just like, yep, come on, I want all these good microbes. Well, yeah, yeah, no, treating your body as like this, uh, yeah, like the soil or di- diversity, you know. Hmm. So that's that's health. I mean, health is diversity. So. Hmm. So, where 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 do you see yourself going from here? 
Um, right, right now I've been doing some, some interesting projects. I've been trying to, um, get this message that Master Cho has out and, um, you know, help, help spread the word, um, the, the teachings in this, in the soil, um, for human health. You know, I mean, like you're, you're doing this show here, the, the, you know, in your audience is concerned about understanding microbes and it's, and it's taking that and like saying, okay, let's, let's plug all this, all this together and understand our whole guts and our probiotic life is the soil. It's our, it's our guts. It's the, um, you know, it's, it's everything. And, um, and so, so master chose, you know, teachings are kind of, are, are like that. And so, so, you know, getting, he's he's coming here in march um so in a couple days uh a couple weeks actually he'll be here um and going forward i you know i i'm putting together my farm getting it uh with who grew um so we can understand and certify the um produce that's coming out and see and actually chart the natural farming methods so as, as a learning tool um, you can look and see, like, okay, here's here's what we did with bare soil, and then we did this soil foundation, and now we plant these plantings, and can follow the pictures and see the whole thing go through. Right, that's fantastic. That's that's citizen science at its finest. Well, it, g- it gives me a way to document um, my my project, you know, and I just happen to be. Well, and I also like writing software, you know, <laughs> so. That's awesome. So you so you got a bit of um computer tech nerd in you plus you're a farmer. Well, yeah, I mean actually today today so it's it's kinda hard. So well uh so today it's kinda it was a great day. It was it was sunny in the morning and then it was crazy lightning earlier when I was talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um but but I I really like you know, today we wanted to go up to the pig pen area and fix a bunch of stuff up there. I ended up fixing a fence that the cows had knocked over and ate my sugar cane and shit like that. So like real life farming stuff, right, that you got to do to live um, in, in the farm life. And then, but I wanted to write a, a thing for the iPad where I'm writing this video game where the pig follows you around and you, and you walk around in this little world um, and get to spray microorganisms on damaged land. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So so I'm kind of in this dual world of like wanting to go write software and like do that instead of like look outside and feed myself, you know, but I want to create these like virtual worlds to teach people about microbes and put this game, this meme into the mindset where, you know, people can understand, okay, we go make microbes and then that unlocks this and then we rejuvenate the soil and Mm. the people can eat again and then, you know... (laughs) Oh man, I think whatever, whatever way uh, you can uh, participate in get it, getting it into the, uh, the collective consciousness, that's great. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and I appreciate all all the people. I, I listen to some of your uh, interviews here, and uh, and the perspective and the people that are moving towards a um, ecologically friendly um, lifestyle is is immense. Hmm. I was really impressed uh, by the one with Nick Mahmood and, you know, he's in, in Oregon, um, cannabis grower, and he 
if you just like, I'm just so impressed by the pictures, um, not just of the buds, but like the actual the hugel culture beds with like the mushrooms popping up and just like comfrey and like corn and all sorts of stuff just coming out of these these beds. You almost like he says he doesn't want to necessarily distinguish which is a crop and which is um, not. It just all is this this life, and you know he's got this consciousness of responsibility at being at the top of a watershed of you know let's let's make it a, a mat to to soak up any excess nutrients or anything i i i'm really impressed by what he's doing and i'd love to see that happen more and more around the world yeah yeah taking responsibility for our land and it's important mm-hmm. i oh man so yeah how oh. I got I got big ideas. There's there's so much there's so much good things happening right now. I've been you know me, meeting great people and organizing great people and man, it's uh so just seeing you know seeing seeing how the natural farming community is growing. Like uh, I, there there's uh guys in Africa building pig pens. <laughs> like how how crazy is that in today's world? Like um. You know, sitting here and, and like had a video on YouTube about this pig pen that we built, and these African guys are like, "Hello, sir, I must I must find out how to build this." <laughs> it's like the mycelium network. Yeah, yeah, that's real. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and uh, my my mom was talking about she just went to India and stoked people out, and um, you know taught them how to make lab. And I I can't, I can't believe we've forgotten all these recipes, man. Like people used to live probiotically. They used to live in with culture, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And now we live with these processed foods from far away that aren't alive. Where we refrigerate everything, we just we don't even include microbes. We try to like kill them and get them out of the equation. Mm, mm-hmm. and, uh, and people have forgotten. Like <laughs> it's all around the world. So. Well, that's just—I mean—that that excites me. I don't know what. Uh... Yeah, well, that's what that's what the the probiotic life is all about. We're trying to um, inspire people to make FPJ and you know do career natural farming and at least just make some sauerkraut or some kimchi. And if you're adventurous, put some FAA in it. Well, what do you have you have you made FPJ? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was. How how did how did you go about doing it? I'm I'm just curious because you know like no no you didn't learn from Master Cho and nobody taught you how so how did you go about it? Yeah, that was um you know find uh, finding resources on the internet. You know, there's the um the the one that I refer back to all the time. Like when I'm doing stuff is like there's a little PDF from um the Indian um CGNF over there and so they have like the little um little pictures and everything so i mean now now i make fpj enough that i'm like okay i know got it down obviously there's always more to learn but yeah just found stuff on the internet and and ask a few questions on the facebook page and then i was like well just give it a go i think my first fpj I wasn't actually too sure. I, well, I actually didn't really realize that there was um, microbes on the plants. And um, so I was like, okay, aloe. Yep, I'll just get some aloe, mush it up with some sugar. Yep, I'll, I'll just put a little bit of bakashi grain in there as well. Um, and then I was like, whoa, it's like 
bubbling. What's <laughs> that's cool. Um, I probably wouldn't have drank drank that one, but um, actually, I probably didn't even know that you could drink it by that stage. Is that a couple of years ago when I first really did it? Um, and then you could start seeing. I was so excited. You could start seeing like under the mulch layer forming this uh, like mycelial mat, and not not necessarily just one kind of fungi. It was actually lots of different kinds and the worms were coming up and I would also get like when I rinse the, the blender out in the morning, like so we have our smoothie, then I use get a bit of water and rinse it out and just pour that on top. So that's got all like the little blended up bits of whatever's left. The worms just loved it and I did it on one plant, uh, <laughs> Barbados cherry, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And I'd like pull up some of the mulch and the, the mulch was like actually matted together. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I realized that, you know, you can top feed. So you're just um, learning about cover crops, just cutting the the cover crops, like growing them in the pot, cutting them. And then um, instead of letting all that nitrogen just get released, I'd put a bit of like mulch or brown matter on top and just douse it with some FPJ. And then I started adding in IMOs to that um, and FAA and then – uh, with with the permission of my wife, I ended up making – so our daughter's actually going to be one this week. So this time last year, oh, wow. I was able to um, take the placenta and make a placenta um, FAA sort of thing. And and yeah. that's like the special – that's like the only – so I've given my, my son a mulberry tree so he can take that with him when he leaves home and I've given my daughter a fig tree. So that's like the special stuff that oh, just beautiful. goes on on uh, you know the fruit trees that are that are special. Cool. So that's how I sort of got into it, mm-hmm. man. And that's that's sort of where I'm at today. You know, um, fin- finally <laughs> done um, IMO three successfully. Done IMO four, but not to the standard that I'm I'm happy with yet. But you know, getting mm-hmm. there, and it's um and it's a great journey to be on. Cool. Cool. <laughs> so sometimes, actually, I was just thinking. I wonder if you could ferment jellyfish because <laughs> we have so many in the river right now. I don't know why, but I guess they just spawned and now they're starting to die off. If there's, uh, is that would that be part of Korean natural farming, or is that like sort of extraneous? To- uh, you know, I, there are some people on Molokai that did that. They they brought a bunch of brown sugar over and they fermented um, jellyfish. Uh, you know, I, I think as a sea creature, it's kind of um, it's going to be liquidy. <laughs> um, but I, the the Jadam way of doing it, man, it's kind of it's stinky, but it just rot it with some uh, handful of dirt, and that thing would be a rich compost <laughs> later, like a compost tea. Wow. Man. Okay. It's stinky. Don't get it on <laughs> or drink pool, it, man. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, no. Don't the Jadam's not pot- potable. <laughs> yeah. Man. Cool. Well, uh, Drake, I really appreciate your time today just to um, and have a bit of a chat. And um, thanks for bearing with me through those uh, technical difficulties. Yo, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, here. It's amazing, man. I uh, look forward to you know, talking with you again. For sure. It's good to be on the, the journey. And yeah. Thanks for sharing with us. May the beneficial microbes be with you. Awesome. <laughs> 
As I said in the interview, the probiotic life on a whole new level. I hope that inspired you to think outside the square. I know that it gave me some ideas of what I'm going to do next. And thanks, Drake, for sharing your knowledge. That's much appreciated. So what did you think? Did you like this format? Well, let us know. Drop us a line. Or do you have an idea about a guest you would like to hear on the show? Let us know that too. And to keep this podcast going, we're getting sponsors on board. So would your business like to be a sponsor to the podcast? Or do you know an ethical business that would be in line with what we're doing here? Drop me a line too. So once again, thanks for listening. And until next time, cheers. Thank you for listening to The Probiotic Life. You can find us on Facebook at The Probiotic Life, on Instagram, The Probiotic Life, and on our website, theprobiotic.life. This is probably the, the hardest interview I've done so far in terms of technical connection.